Section 18 of the Roman Empire of the Second Century by William Wolfe Capes. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 7 The Characteristics of the State Religion and of the Rights Imported from the East. Part 2. The Greek colonists who early pushed their way along the coasts of southern Italy handed on the legends and the rights of Greece which even in the regal period gained through the sibylline books a footing in the state which literary influences constantly increased as rome's conquering arms were stretched forth to embrace the world as strangers flocked to see the mistress of the nations and slaves of every race were gathered within her walls the names and attributes of foreign deities began to naturalize themselves almost of right and to spread insensibly from aliens to romans polytheism has commonly a tolerant and elastic system it seldom tries to impose its creed by force on other races or to resist the worship of new gods as a dishonour to the old accustomed already to the thought of a multitude of unearthly powers it has no scruple in adding to their number and prefers to borrow the guardians of other races rather than force them to accept its own so as land after land was added to the empire protection and honour were accorded to the forms of local worship and all the subject nations were allowed to adore the objects of their choice if any of them left their homes they clung of course to the old rites and might enjoy them undisturbed at rome it was however quite another thing to let them pass beyond the bounds both of country and of race and to give them the sanction of the state as a form of the established faith of rome still more so when the latest comers who claimed to set up their altars and their temples in the streets shocked the old-fashioned scruples of the ruling statesmen by their extravagance or sensual license or when it seemed that secret societies were spreading through the people under the cover of religious names then the government stepped in with force or menace stamped out the bacchanalia for example with terrible decision and had the shrine of isis levelled to the ground though the consul's hand had to strike the first blow with the axe when meaner arms were paralysed with fear even after the days of the republic augustus who had shown honour to serapis in his egyptian home forbade his worship in the soil of italy yet these were only passing measures ineffectual to stay the stream of innovation on one pretext or another the sanction of the state was given to the alien rites a war or a pestilence was at times enough to excuse an appeal to some new tutelary power and even to cause invitations to be sent to distant gods as the sense of the imperial unity grew stronger the distinction between the religious life of the centre and the provinces seemed more arbitrary and unmeaning and though many a moralist of antique spirit gravely disapproved of the tone and temper of the eastern creeds yet the rulers gradually ceased to put any check upon their spread so long as each was satisfied to take his place beside the rest without intolerant aggression or defiance of the civil power there was besides another tendency which made it easier to enlarge the national pantheon many a scruple was disarmed when men were told that the newcomers were only the old familiar powers disguised in a new shape comparison had shown the likeness sometimes of usages and prayers in different lands sometimes of the attributes assigned 
or of the poetic fancies which had grown up in time round venerable names sincere believers felt a comfort in the thought that all the multitude of rival deities which seemed to have a claim on their respect consisted really of the many masks assumed by the same personal agencies or were even separate qualities of the one heavenly father plutarch priest of the pythian apollo and a devout adherent of the old religion of his fathers yet wrote a treatise on the gods of egypt in which he tried to prove that they were in truth only the gods of greece worshipped with mysterious rites and somewhat weird suggestions of the fancy which however found a counterpart at home in the native outgrowths of the hellenic mind the truth which the figurative language of their ritual shadowed forth was one expressed in many another symbol the powers of heaven were well content that men should read it and would yield their secrets with a good grace to the earnest seeker he felt therefore the more attracted to the mystic obscurity of that old culture of the pharaohs of which the sphinxes were the aptest tokens certain as he was that all its riddles might be read and would yield an harmonious and eternal truth plutarch never doubted of the personal existence of the beings whom he adored and never resolved them into mere abstractions others there were with piety no less real than his who regarded all the forms of popular religion as useful in their various degrees but as all alike inadequate to express the truths which were ineffable doubtless says one of them god the father and creator of the universe is more ancient than the sun or heavens is greater than time superior to all that abides and all that changes nameless he is and far away out of our ken but as we cannot grasp and thought his being we borrow the help of words and names and animals and figures of gold and ivory of plants and streams and mountain heights and torrents yearning after him yet helpless to attain to him we attribute to him all that is most excellent among us so do the lovers who are fain to contemplate the image of the persons whom they love they fondly gaze at the lyre or dart which they have handled or the chair on which they sat or anything which helps to bring the dear one to their thoughts let us only have the thought of god if the art of phidias awakens this thought among the greeks if the worship of animals does the like for the egyptians if here a river and there the fire does the same it matters little i do not blame variety only let us know god and love him only let us keep his memory abiding in our hearts in place of the matter-of-fact and ceremonious religion of the latin farmers we may trace in course of time new thoughts and feelings roused to play their part in a rich variety of spiritual moods we may trace the mystic reveries and ecstatic visions such as those which convent life has often nursed in pious souls of later times where the fancy living overmuch in the world of the unseen loses its sense of the reality and due proportions of the things of earth we hear of sensitive and enthusiastic natures who see so clearly the special providence which broods over their lives and feel so keenly love and gratitude for all the mercies given to them that they speak of themselves as the elect predestined to the favour of heaven they feel the workings of god's spirit in their hearts they see in every turn of life the traces of his guiding hand and airy visitants from other worlds look in upon them in their dreams such a one was the rhetorician aristides 
who after suffering for long years from a malady which none could cure devoted himself to the service of the god asclepius whom the latins called aesculapius living mainly in his temple with his priests seeing him in visions of the night following implicitly the warning sent in sleep and falling into trances of unspeakable enjoyment proud of the privileges of his special revelation he wrote out in impassioned style his sacred sermons published as he said at the dictation of his heavenly patron he told the story of his ecstatic moods of the promised recovery of strength which followed in due course of the deliverance from instant danger vouchsafed him at the great earthquake of smyrna of the comfort of the abiding presence of a saving spirit and his thankfulness for the old trial of sickness which brought him to the notice of a protector so benign mystic aspirations point to the hope of a closer union with the divine than the trammels of our common life allow to rise above these limitations to lose the sense of personal being and almost indeed of consciousness in the pulsations of a higher life to this the enthusiasm of devotion points in many a different name and race most commonly with this end in view the soul would keep the body under and starve it with ascetic rigour while the spirit beats against its prison bars panting for a freer and a purer air examples of such austerity of self-denial may be also found in heathen times weary journeyings to holy places visited by countless pilgrims who must be meanly fed and hardly lodged if they would hope to gain the gladness of the beatific vision recluses too there were in egypt giving their lives without reserve to holy meditation and hoping to draw nearer to their god by well-nigh ceasing to be men more frequently they had recourse to the influence of high-wrought feeling to the electric sympathies by which strong waves of passion sweep across excited crowds and carry them beside themselves in transports of enthusiasm by the wild dance and maddening din by fleshly horrors self-imposed or the orgies of licentious pleasure by vivid imagery to make the illusion of the fancy more complete they worked upon the giddy brain and quivering nerves till the excited votaries of isis or adonis passed beyond the narrow range of everyday life into the frenzy of religious ecstasy and awe in the early roman creed there was little room for the hopes or fears of a life to come but there is a yearning in the mind to pierce the veil which hides the future from the sight and many a prophecy was brought from other lands couched in hopeful or in warning tones here darkly hinted in enigmas here loudly proclaimed in confidence outspoken there acted in dramatic forms before the kindling fancy as in the ancient mysteries of greece or in more questionable shapes in the ritual of eastern creeds another influence was brought to bear on western thought in the deeper sense of sinfulness as the pollution of the guilty soul and an outrage on the majesty of god with this came in natural course the greater influence of the priests to whom the stricken conscience turned in its bewilderment or its despair for they alone could read with confidence the tokens of the will of heaven they alone knew the forms of intercession or atonement which might bring peace by promises of pardon no longer silent ministers engaged in the mere round of outward forms as servants of the state they wandered to and fro to spread the worship of their patron saints 
sometimes with the missionary fervour of devoted faith sometimes working on men's hopes and fears to gain a readier sale for their indulgences and priestly charms sometimes like sordid mountebanks and jugglers catering for the wonder-loving taste of credulous folks by sleight of hand and magic incantations among the most striking of such innovations due to the spread of oriental symbolism was the costly rite of taurobolium in which recourse was had to the purifying influence of blood known to us chiefly by the inscriptions of which the earliest dates from the reign of hadrian we have reason to believe that the usage came from asia as a solemn sacrifice in honour of the phrygian mother of the gods from southern italy it crossed to gaul and in the busy town of lugdunum lyon the meeting-point of traders of all races it was celebrated with more than common pomp it was the most impressive from its rarity for so great seemingly was the cost of the arrangements that only the wealthy could defray it corporations therefore and town councils came forward to undertake the burden when dreams and oracles and priestly prophecies had expressed the sovereign pleasure of the goddess ceremonies on such a scale could be held only by the sanction of the ruling powers and it would seem that an official character was given to the rites by the presence of the magistrates in robes of state the crowning act of a long round of solemn forms was the slaughter of the bull itself from which the whole rite had drawn its name the votary in whose behalf the offering was made descended with silken dress and crown of gold into a sort of fresh-dug grave above which planks were spread to hold the bull and sacrificing priest as the blow fell upon the victim's neck the streams of blood which came pouring from the wound flowed through the chinks and fittings of the wood and bathed the worshipper below from the cleansing virtue of the blood he became henceforth spiritually regenerate in aeternum renatus and at the time an object almost of adoration to the gazing crowds we need not wonder that the writers of the early church indignantly opposed such heathen rites which seemed to them a hideous caricature of the two great topics of their faith christian baptism and redemption it would be too much to say perhaps that any of the thoughts and feelings naturalized in later days at rome were wholly new and unfamiliar in weaker moods in rudimentary forms they may be traced in the religion of the earliest days and so too even the outer forms of worship the mystic rites and orgies had their counterparts in ancient rome some scope was given from the first to sacerdotal claims some priestly functions had been claimed by women which made it easier in later times for priests to gain ascendancy and women to play a large part in the religion of the empire but the eastern influence gave intensity of life to what before was faint and unobtrusive it vivified the unseen world which was vanishing away before the practical materialism of the roman mind it coloured and animated with emotional fervour the pale and rigid forms of social duties it was the informing spirit which was new and this could pass into any of the multitudinous creeds which now lived side by side in peace they could and did compete for popular favour without bitterness or rancour in their rivalry and the priests of one deity could be votaries of another believing as they often did that the same power was worshipped under different disguises of nationality and language each took its place within the imperial pantheon 
without the hope or wish to displace others two systems only proudly stood aloof the jewish synagogue whose energies were centred in the work of explaining and commenting on its sacred books the christian church which was turning from its fond hopes of the speedy fulfilment of its kingdom of heaven to engage in a struggle of life and death in which all the iron discipline and social forces of the empire stood arrayed against it while it was armed only with the weapons of mutual kindliness and earnest faith and inextinguishable hope End of section 18